host. I am a podcaster on Anchor FM, which is, which is part of Spotify. And we are interviewing London ethereal trap artist, Jazz Sirius, right? Or Sirius? Jazzy Sirius. Jazzy Sirius. So um, you, you call yourself an ethereal trap artist, which is interesting. Um, and then you, uh, <laughs> you also are a, a singer, a rapper, and a spoken word artist. And we're going to get into um, the questions we sent you ahead of time. Yeah. So, so when did you first get into music? When did you, um, you know, what age did you decide you wanted to be in music? Or is this something that came about later in life? I mean, I've, I've always been quite into music. My dad's a musician. And my mom's an artist. And I, I went to state school in London, but I was quite blessed in that the the headmistress's husband was like an incredible pianist and musician and ultimately everyone in my school had to learn an instrument had to be a part of the choir so I started writing and getting into music at a really young age you know we were singing like the Beatles songs and Aretha Franklin from like primary school age so I've been influenced by music for a long time um but Around 11, kind of secondary school age, I kind of went away from music and thought it was like an impossible dream until about five years ago when I started writing again. That's interesting. So is it, um, is it like, and I started, you know, I'm in my 50s. Everything mm. was based on being like garage band and everything was guitar, drum, you know, kind of like rock oriented yeah. or punk rock oriented. Um, and now, because we have DJs, we have EDM, people can get a computer, they can get a ED, they can get a MIDI keyboard. So, is it the change in music where people can can do these different types of music that kind of brought you back in? Well, I was actually um, so after going through a bit of a kind of dark period in my life, like my health wasn't so good, and I just had various things going on that led me into a bit of, I had a bit of a breakdown when I was 22. And I went to Ibiza. I planned to go traveling, but I ended up in Ibiza. Um, and I met a lot of different creative people there. And I started singing kind of like, just messing around singing in, in jams and things like that. Um, and a couple of people said to me, you know, you can actually really sing. And I was like, no, 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 I can't sing. You know, doubting myself. And then eventually, ended up being asked to sing um, in a band over there that were looking for a singer. So I actually started singing again with like the whole kind of live music thing. Also, my dad was very much into punk rock. That was his vibe. He was a lead singer in various punk rock bands. Um, and so I've now kind of gone more towards using the electronic stuff in production and working in studios that way. But initially I was playing in a band. It was a sick six-piece band so we had like electric guitar bass percussion drums didgeridoo which made it a bit different it was like a crazy rave rave wow. rock orchestra in Ibiza it was pretty amazing actually yeah I was listening to your song Access Denied and yeah I was listening to Gotta Have Your Love and I was like wow there's there's yeah I know you're you're uh, collaborating with different folks on those yeah but you know because um Access Denied is kind of a, of a, of a song. It's a song yeah. structure versus Gotta Have Your Love is more like an EDM kind of rave trap type of structure. 
Yeah. And, and I know they're working on your new record and you've got this genre that you've kind of name checked as ethereal trap. So I'm wondering, is, <laughs> is it going to be a mixture of those styles or something totally different? So basically those two tracks, like you said, are just, are both, um, collaboration tracks i'm so influenced by so much different music like i say my dad was like punk rock I grew up with that element a lot of like rock and roll a lot of pink floyd kind of vibe and mm -hmm. david bowie and you know that kind of all that kind of music um and but i've also been heavily influenced by the dance scenes and uk festivals um drum and bass house music dance floors, etc. And so the track Access Denied is a collaboration with a guy called Mark Fox, who is an old friend and also quite recent to music also, or at least seriously, only in the last few years that he's been properly producing. Um, and Jay Colo, the other guy that I did Got To Have Your Love With, also an old friend. He's been producing a bit longer. But yeah, ultimately, I just wanted to jump on some different genres and explore that. Um, different aspects of myself and I feel like artists are very much kind of pigeonholed you know like people you know a lot of managements and labels they want you to be one thing um yeah. and do one <laughs> thing <laughs> I'm sure as you know um and it's like my thing is too big for the box I don't want to be stuck in one box you know I want I think a lot of great artists do kind of take people on a journey with their music um the main project, however, is what I'm now calling Ethereal Trap. <laughs> it's probably the best description I can give of it. Um, so that stuff's going to start coming out this year and probably the debut album towards the end of the year, um, oh, which is oh. a slightly different sound, but just mm -hmm. sorry to cut you off, but just to conclude and make that make sense. Um, so Mark Fox, who I've done Access Denied with, he is primarily a tech house producer but he's also a very talented guitarist and just in general his production skills are amazing so he's actually ended up co-producing my upcoming project which so there are definitely elements of electronic sound in there um but there's also elements of like kind of psychedelic rock and trap and rap and soul and other things as well and an ethereal vibe which i can't help but bring to it all <laughs> That's where you get the ethereal trap. So it's gonna so with your um co collaborator or yeah conspirator, how you say it. Um so it's like so this project with Mark is gonna be in the vein of ethereal trap, which is kind of still genre list because you're kinda of pulling all these other things because you were talking about how you're yeah. influenced by Pink Floyd and, and these other bands, you know. And that's interesting because what I don't I, I kinda agree with you. Well, I totally agree with you. Um because what I call my music is expansive sound. Because I like to bring in like Sun Ra. Yeah. I like to bring in punk rock. I like to bring in bands like Yes and Genesis and then a little punk funkadelic. Yeah. And Hendrix and stuff. So, and, and people always want to pigeonhole me and say, well, you know, what are you, electronic? And I'm not exactly like a modern electronic band because I'm kind of pulling back to guys like, you know, at 55, like Sun Ra. Yeah. You know, so, so that's not exactly today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah i understand like it's hard to get you know you want to kind of I, I have been talking to a lot of artists lately that are kind of name checking their own genre yeah they're kind of creating they're saying something like way well, you said the theory trap other people come up with like new terms on existing 
concepts. Um, yeah. So I think that's cool. I think that's where you need to be. You kind of need to know what you're doing, I think what so. you want to do. And I think it's, yeah. you know, there's <laughs> music, I don't know, like more and more into kind of eclectic different genres nowadays you know like you don't find that many people that like I only like one type of music I mean sure there's yeah. still subcultures but more and more we are you know people will love rock but they'll also love jazz and they'll also love a bit of soul and then they'll love that pop song do you know what I mean it's like it's difficult yeah. to try and well the blend I think is the core it's like a reason why everybody who's a musician we have our heroes we have our yeah references and our influences right so everybody will say oh i was inspired by the beatles because beatles kind of create modern pop music yeah but then it's like if you get a little bit psychedelic it's like well you're doing a little pink floyd or you're doing this or you're doing a little jefferson airplane but yeah. it's like every everything that you that's out there everybody's kind of blended it and kind of taken it you know from the blues people you know yeah you get back to the original blues or you know you get the lead belly and and all you know and Robert Johnson like all rock yeah kind of goes to you know this like all jazz and the Coltrane Davis like so there's always gonna be somebody that you kind of pull from but you make it your own hundred yeah. percent it's it's remediation really at the end you know it's just like the evolution of it and I think now we've got so many different kinds of music and especially with electronic music mm -hmm. and the way that we can produce things nowadays it's like there's so many different options and. Yeah, I think we're constantly being inspired by different things. And fusion really is like the way forward, you know? It's interesting. So it's like, what do you, like when you work with producers, are they pretty much creating their own beats or is it kind of a hodgepodge of like granular synthesis or sampling or creating your own beats? Because so many people don't want to get copyright strikes anymore. Yeah. A lot of people you know, are building like their own beats, using drum machines or using DAWs to yeah. create their own sounds. And so do you find that when you're working producers and you're, you're trying to create like original stuff, or are you still like using a lot of clipping or is it just anything you feel like to service the song? So, I mean, I work with a lot of different people in different kind of situations. I, I do love to use as much kind of live instruments as possible. And there's going to be a lot of live elements in my upcoming releases. But um, in terms of the project with Mark Fox, he's just really, which is bringing to life this whole ethereal trap kind of vision that I've had for years. Um, he's very good at, I mean, we use a little bit of everything. We use some samples. He can make his own beats. Some tracks have been totally just put in by him. Other stuff, we've got stuff, um, samples and loops and, you know, and then try to put live stuff over it. And it's kind of a mixture, to be honest with you. A little bit of everything. This new project is crazy, though. It's got all kinds of sounds. Like, there's all different Atmos sounds in there. I've got, like, pigeons and whales and oh, yeah. Harley Davidson like and, like, just all kinds of <laughs> mad like sounds. <laughs> That's field recording. Like, if you go back to Pink Floyd, they're kind of famous. Yes, yes and Pink Floyd they did all these field recordings. Yeah. You know, that you actually, and Pink Floyd's real famous for like their conversational. Yeah. Like, yeah, people yeah. actually having conversations and them looping it in. And then, yes, they went out to a forest and they taped the forest. Yeah. I love and it. And brought it in. Yeah. That kind of thing. A lot of modern bands are actually learning how to do that again. It's kind of like a 1960s thing or late, mid 70s. 
but all that progressive rock stuff seems to be coming back. Yeah. You know, people are doing a lot of things that maybe they don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yes, Genesis, all these bands did stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of cool. And so there's this mixture now, like you said, of people using samples, granular synthesis, old analogs, mm. you know, you know, people playing live instruments on top of samples. And, and, and it's, what's cool I like is like when a band takes a sample and then they make it like unrecognizable to the original sample. Exactly. That they, they clip it up so much or they splice it so much yeah. that then it's like it's just they made it their own, you know. Yeah, this is something that Mark is very, very good at doing, which is just like blows my mind because I'm definitely not a producer <laughs> yet. But um... yeah, a lot of hip hop producers did that. You know, if you go back in the, in, in, the, in the day, like the, the, the oh, old you've gone all alieny again. Sorry, say that again. A, a lot of hip hop producers. Can you hear me? Can't hear you, baby. Hey. Um, um, now, yes, now, yes, now good. Yeah. So hip hop producers were kind of famous for using like MPCs and all kinds of old samplers and really chopping up like the Bomb Squad yeah. or, or De La Soul were very, yeah. you know, even like a guy like, um, like um, if you get into MF Doom, MF Doom was great at like taking kind of obscure samples and like vocal, you know, actual, used to take cartoons of the Fantastic Four and then <laughs> take these 1960s cartoon dialogue and throw them into like hip-hop yeah i love um, it and, and that kind of stuff is just really it's really cool and so i love anybody that's doing that kind of innovative work and it sounds like for this new ethereal trap album that your project you're working on yeah is that going to be more of like an ep or like a full album well it's been initially it was going to be an ep but it's now turned into nine songs and it's more like an album, like an album. <laughs> i reckon it's gonna be like an album or a mixtape um kind of just depends on a few things that, that happened this year but i'm gonna release two or three singles off of it and go from there basically so it's interesting when i i always talk to people about your influences you've already kind of name checked them um but did you want to talk more about any influences or reference points in your music yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm so, I'm so influenced by so many things. So it's like when I was a child, as I mentioned, I was, you know, part of a choir, part of an orchestra. So I've got that kind of like classical, at least basic classical training, you know. So there's always elements of like classical music or the kind of unexpected turns of classical music that comes into my stuff. Um, oh, yeah. So that's like that's it. something that definitely comes up. I mean, just... A lot of the kind of greats, Nina Simone, Tracy Chapman, all that kind of like emotion and like revolution vibe. I'm I'm all for that. Um, Etta James, just love her, love her voice. I mean, more and like Frank Zappa, all that kind of weird stuff, you know. Oh um, yeah, Zappa, Zappa, oh Zappa and, and Funkadelic are kind of in the same vein. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm always going back to the to, to the mothers of invention, or going back to Funkadelic. And, you know, pulling a lot of stuff like Bernie Worrell. And I'm a keyboardist. So Bernie Worrell is like my hero. You know, he's like the main keyboardist. Yeah. And he was classically yeah. trained, too. And a lot of people don't realize. Really? Like, See, I don't know. I don't know the, him the, or know that. But it makes well, sense now like you're saying it. Mm. Yeah, he was the primary keyboard and com arranger yeah. for a lot of the Funkadelic, really, Parliament deep tracks. And if you've listened yeah. to par Parliament Funkadelic, they've got this kind of jazz sensibility. You're yeah, wondering how yeah, they yeah. get like that. Because they have like a musical director who's their keyboardist, 
that was trained at Berkeley. So he actually, even though there's funky and kind of spaced out, yeah. they had like some grounding in theory, you know, so yeah. that's why it sounds the way it does. But um, yeah, it's always interesting. But you were talking about the classical, and I think that's always interesting because classical music, you know, you can have the, the key changes and you can have the rhythmic polyrhythms rhythms and all the different kind of movements in music. Yeah. So are you, do you like to like introduce that type of those type of concepts into your music? Yeah, there's, de- there's definitely elements of that 100%. I mean, it's something that fascinates me with classical music and jazz music specifically, like... I remember reading something, I don't remember where it was, but something about how both them them types of music, like they create new synapses in your brain, literally by you just not expecting what is gonna come next, if that makes sense. So like when you listen to a lot of like mainstream music or pop songs, like you kind of know what's gonna come next, right? Or you can kind of like almost say the melody before it happens. Cause it's, as you were saying, like it, it you know, it doesn't go out. It doesn't go outside the box. <laughs> but exactly what you're saying, you know, you can change the key. There's more like scope to change the key or like change the rhythm or suddenly just take you somewhere totally different, which I love about both them types of music. And yeah, there's definitely elements of that within my stuff. I'm trying to kind of, I've since I started making music kind of more seriously and realized that actually it's something I want to do. Um, I've I don't know, I'm quite aware of like, I've got a lot of kind of underground music influences, but I'm also aware Mm -hmm. that I want to bring these underground things into the mainstream in order to actually have a platform to kind of both talk about and put out the music that I want to put out from and combine the two, if that makes sense. Well, I think what's good is that you have to kind of make your mark. And, you know, there's a lot of music out today where people are kind of clones. Yeah of like, you know, they go and do a fruit, you know, they do a fruity loop or <laughs> you get out there and everybody's using the same loop. Everybody's using the same 808 kick. 100%. And it's like, okay, well, everybody's doing that. And so I'll kind of go back and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go use like something unexpected. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll, go, you'll sample like, uh, uh, like a field recording and make that your kick. Yeah. You know. No, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Like, I love all that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's kind of like how you get how you get to like the old school guys mm-hmm. like that I'm into, like the Emerson Lake and Palmer and Tony Banks. I mean, I have I have like modes, so I actually have these big analog modulars. So I'll sit and make my own tones. Wow! And so if, if, if when you do that, no one's gonna you, you you're not copying anything. Um, but it's you know it's kind of in itself is like the art of like synthesizers. Like I'm a big synthesis. And I kind of just build everything from the building blocks. Yeah. And it's it's an old style of doing things. And if people are into it or not into it, but like it kind of gives you a differentiation, like classical music or jazz. Yeah. Like if you, in your music, you suddenly go from 40 BPM to 160 and back to 60. And you have all these kind of movements and stuff. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get that on the radio. Mm. But, but, but you can get a niche market where people are saying, wow, you're doing something different. And so exactly. that's kind of how you kind of make your own brand. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely bringing in little elements of all of that because I love it as well. I think it's important and it makes up it like, yeah, it challenges our perceptions ultimately of what, you know, what we're used to.
So when you write a song as, as a songwriter and you're working with producers, do you have like your own like home studio DAW that you'll work out like a demo or do you work with uh, your producer and kind of you do the, do the top lines on what, what they're doing or how, how do you guys work? So, I mean, there's, I mean, all different kinds of ways. So I have my little home studio. Um, the initials, the initial couple of tracks that I took to Mark Fox as um, my project, if you like, the ethereal trap project. Um, I produced them pretty basically in my room and recorded the vocals and then took them to him and he kind of expanded on them. Um, but then there's been other stuff that I'll just write in the room, you know, with, with people and producers and musicians. So I've got a beat going or something, some instruments being played, I could, I'll write like that. Um, tracks like both tracks, Access Denied and Have Your Love, they were both written in the room with Mark Fox and with J. Colo. So, because a lot of my stuff is like my nat, what I naturally write is quite, quite deep, quite dark. I go into different aspects of ourselves, the light, the dark, heaven, hell, all these kind of archetypes. Um, and quite raw that's what I like to write about so when I started working with both of them and they wanted some house vocals it really wasn't something that I'd ever done before so it was kind of like a challenge for me to try and write kind of happy music if you like you know um <laughs> yeah. something just a bit different and but actually it's been a really amazing journey because it's challenged me to first of all explore different different parts of my vocal because I didn't realize that I could sing in certain ways before I started working with them about a year and a half ago um but also kind of I don't know I, I find as a writer that sometimes especially when we start um kind of maybe writing more seriously we're quite precious over what we write you know and it's like you know what you've written and you know why you've written it etc but working on the housey stuff and on a couple of other collabs more recently as well it's like i'm starting to feel like you know we can always all learn from each other and it's really good to have input from different people and not to be so precious sometimes over our lyrics or what oh, we want to say yeah. you know because we can say that somewhere else sometimes and sometimes yeah i'm quite i'm quite yeah. enjoying collaboratively writing yeah. recently <laughs> Oh, so I can think about like if you're the if you're the like your lyricists probably are kind of um, personal with you know with your lyrics. You know, I'm a singer songwriter, yeah. so I pretty much write write all my stuff. So when I collaborate with another artist, I say I'm going to work on a you know fifty fifty collaboration, and so then there's going to be like my original text is probably going to yeah. change compared to if I'm just doing a ghost record, I'm going to pretty much do exactly yeah. what I want. But as soon as I do something with somebody else, then suddenly, like, you know, the red pen comes out. Yeah. <laughs> stuff starts getting adjusted. And not that that's bad, you know, but there's some things where, okay, this project, I kind of want it. I know yeah. what I want, and I'm pretty much going to do it. And when I work with somebody else, it's like, okay, I'm actually looking for that. Exactly. Feedback. So I'm, will I'm willing to, like, give up some of the control. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. I feel like with a lot of the collab stuff, so, like, I'm planning to, I've got, like, this, I went and recorded the other day um, at Big Jelly Studios in the UK for this artist called Longy, who's just incredible. He's like a kind of 
rock but soul but gospel like insane artist you should definitely check him out um and i went and did some vocals for him ultimately backing vocals but you know what i mean playing around with melodies and things um but his stuff is also quite orchestral and just like whoa, wow um but what was i gonna say oh yeah that's what i was gonna say so i've done some stuff with him and then i've got another project coming out with a guy called ray angry who's also in new york actually um which I wrote in the studio with him, kind of like exactly as you're saying, giving that feedback and just kind of a bit of back and forth. I think this the Ethereal Trap project is really my baby, you know? But the other stuff mm. is like, it's been eye-opening just to yeah, like yeah. be like, okay, as you say, like go into some of that control sometimes and just explore different things that you wouldn't necessarily do on your own, you know? Do you find that um, because of what's going on with COVID, you're doing a lot of, like international or collaboration with artists that maybe you wouldn't have worked with before to like, you know, still be working. I've been talking to a lot of artists in the last year and they started to work with people. They maybe weren't going to do that, but because they kind of, everybody's in their own studio with their dog and it's like, okay, how am I going to shake it up? Well, I'll go work with somebody that I didn't, you know, think I was ever going to work with and, and try something different. And I think that's how, a lot of artists move forward but it's also you know giving them something to, to work on i mean for me i think everyone i've mentioned so far is people that i kind of planned to work with for quite a long time pre-covid um for me it's just been a really good time to just kind of sit with myself and you know start producing stuff myself okay it's not like going to be radio worthy but like you know what I mean start understand I've just had the time and the space to explore different things I mean even this whole ethereal trap Mm. thing like I started rapping literally at the beginning of lockdown I've been a spoken word artist for quite a while so I've had like and since I was a kid so you know I've got a background in it to kind of be a foundation for me to be able to get into rapping but ultimately this whole project has been born from lockdown if it wasn't for lockdown I just wouldn't have had the time you would have the time no space it wouldn't to have happened it. or it would have maybe but in a in a different way you know are you finding that a lot of artists i've talked to have um have said that they've been able to refine their own home studio production capability just because they aren't touring they're not out there and they've actually had time to get into their ableton or their pro tools in their DAW, and because they you know, can't get to the studio like yeah. they used to. They started diving into more music yeah. production, and because there was kind of a necessity to get the demos out or even try to get stuff out. Have Have you been, you know, doing more of that? Yeah, but I mean, as I said, I started rapping at the beginning of, well, kind of the beginning of our lockdown here in London. But with that, I also started trying to make beats. You know, because I was like, okay, I need to. I was really trying to refine my sound and find what my sound was because I was writing a lot of kind of like ballady things and like cool stuff that I liked, but I realized like actually I wouldn't listen to any of this, if that makes sense. I was like, would I actually listen to any of this? No, like if I, if I wanted to live, like I'd rather create something that's like whatever happens, I think it's badass and I like it and I don't care if other people don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like I love it. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, part of that was like, okay, mm-hmm. I love rap music as one of the aspects of music that I like. 
And anyway, so I started, I definitely think I've, yeah, I, I've put more time into, not so much into the production because literally the first couple of ones that I did, um, I took to Mark Fox and he, he's just, his capabilities are so much better than mine. I've just been really blessed to have kind of formed that creative relationship with him. We just bounce off each other so well and he kind of creates everything that I envision. And now we've got a bit of a recipe going on. He kind of gets what I want. But I think for me, it's definitely been more about developing my writing, my kind of rhythm mm. and flow and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my vocals and just like getting better as a kind of studio recording artist as opposed to the production side. What type of DAW do you use? What type of what, sorry? Uh, DAW or digital audio workstation. Like, like if, if Pro oh, Tools I, yeah. or Ableton. See, I'm, not so, I'm not super literate on all this. Um, I, I use Logic. Yeah. Logic, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. So, so it's interesting. Um, so I've always talked to vocalists and, and a lot of people like they're like a guitar player or a piano player. They don't seem to realize like being a vocalist, yeah. that's your instrument. And so refining your vocals, there's a lot you can do, especially with, um, you know, modern music with the overdubs and all the, you know, the overlays 100%. that you can do, especially when you're into hip hop. There's a lot of work that actually done with yeah. all the backing tracks and all the different things that you can do in with production. But just the whole idea of hip hop, if you listen to it in rap, it's always had like that multi-track yeah. uh, composition. And there's all there's a lot of stuff going on. So is is that what you've been refining? Because you're you're getting heavier into that, is like your delivery and how that gets yeah produced. I mean yeah, a lot of it has been that you know, refining delivery with the rap stuff, kind of ex exploring different vocal ranges. Like I said about, it wasn't that long before lockdown. I think when I did my first session with the the boys with the house music stuff, um, but. I feel like in the last kind of year, it's my vocals have just gone to the next level. I mean, there's so many levels to it. It's like, like you say, with the rap stuff, yeah, there's a lot of double tracking. There's a lot of, you know, there's room to do funky little um, backing vocals that are sung or whatever. There's so much space to do things. <laughs> um, and, you know, saying things in different ways and all of that and all the layers, it's just, it's just the possibilities are endless. <laughs> but I think also vocally as a singer, I've, yeah, I've learned to use my instrument better, I think. Do you find that being a poet, um, that it makes it easier to get into like rap and spoke, you know, because poets, you know, if you're already writing in that style, I think poetry probably translates easier into rap than maybe into traditional song sure. structures if you're if you're a poet you know you, you can kind of have like a beat poetry can translate pretty easily into rap yeah um, i mean it was an interesting um, transition so for me i think because i think i kind of had a vague idea in my head that i wanted to at some point rap or try and do some of this poetry stuff over music um but where i got so used to writing songs where I've always written songs, or at least from a young age, regardless of the kind of time off I had in between, like that kind of flowed easier for me. But 
I don't know, for me, and like I say to a lot of people who want to get into rapping and spoken word now, because people ask me, um, you know, how to get into it, what, or how many hours they need to put into it and all this kind of stuff. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, just put on a beat and just try and, you know, just got to try and write with the beat. Do you find that you end up doing like a lot of kind of, I guess, um, stream of consciousness? Like a lot of, like I, I'm a big yeah. fan of Lou Reed yeah, yeah, yeah. and like Bob Dylan, and they're kind of like the original kind of spoken word yeah. artist. And and uh, what's cool about if you think about like Lou Reed and, and Bob is they, it's it's very it's very literate, but it feels like it's yeah. like effortless, right? And so they kind of just telling these stories and it just floats. And it's very verbose, mm. and there's a lot to it. And and it seems like like that was always like my inspiration when I first got into music was like really the Velvet Underground and and Dylan. Yeah. And and, and it's like like if I can get like one hundredth of that into mm. what I write, that's that'll get me on the right yeah, way yeah. path. But um, that was kind of like my goal was like, okay, I love all this Dylan stuff, I love all this Lou Reed stuff, so let me kind of think in that headspace and see if I can construct things there anywhere yeah yeah of course (laughs) um I mean I think yeah I think for me also I mean I think initially when I started writing again it was like a bit of a form of therapy you know just to get stuff out and I don't know just kind of go with it and channel it if you like like you said about stream of consciousness like I definitely feel like sometimes when you sit down it's just something just comes and it flows and it's just like okay I also love all that kind of storytelling aspect of writing and taking people on a journey, but effortlessly, like you say. Um, yeah, I guess you wonder, like, when you're writing stuff like this, people always ask me, like, oh, well, you're a songwriter. Do you actually, like, outline it out? Do you actually mm. pre-work on it? And I would honestly say, like, most of my songs... I yeah. kind of stream of consciousness and they kind of just ex- experiments and I might go back to something yeah. I did six months ago and then look at it and then take something I wrote two days yeah. ago and it's something I wrote right now and then kind of, kind of kind of just scramble it up and it's like well that ends up being it and it's just kind of like my big library I was always watching these I was watching this mm. documentary on Frank Zappa and Zappa used to just record like everything and he had this big tape library and his wife was saying he would just take the splices in the living room and kind of they cut wow. them and paste them together and then yeah. say, well, that becomes the song and he would just like and it would a lot of it was just like okay i had i did this i did that and let me kind of take what i've done in this big library yeah. of all this stuff i do and create something new. Yeah. and it seems like that seems to work better than when i try to actively construct something as like, well it's better if it kind of it's kind of haphazard which a lot of people would say, well, that doesn't seem like you're being that <laughs> thoughtful. I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of like the creative process. It kind of comes wherever the music A hundred percent. It's a bit of a spiral. <laughs> it sends you round in circles, upside down. And then sometimes you get back where you started. But it's good. It's good. I'm Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. I mean, sometimes things just flow and you've got a whole song there. Sometimes, I mean what will probably be the first track on the album or the mixtape or whatever comes out as the full project um, 
the lyrics are actually the first song I wrote in 2015 after not writing for like 13 years um but just with a whole new melody and a whole new vibe you know so it's like I think yeah as artists you know as well we do just kind of go back and revisit sometimes and and that's okay and it's been interesting for me with the rap stuff though because I think getting into different flows and different rhythms and kind of trying to write to beats and that whole process like some of it comes out and it's very easy and it flows and I've got 32 bars and it's I love it it's banging but other times it's like it, it takes me longer to actually think about what I'm actually saying you know you've got a, a short time in rap to say something but a, a longer time in the sense that you can fit more words in you know what I mean so it's like you've got to make a yeah. quick impact but you've got a lot of space to say a lot of things so I find it quite, yeah I have to like kind of ground myself sometimes and be like okay what are you actually trying to say here and construct it a bit more with the rap I think but with songs I don't know it just seems to flow quite quite easily Yeah, I find it's interesting when I'm when I'm playing with my vocals, I, I end up going through all these different mics. And I say, okay, well, I can use this, yeah. you know, I can use this mic, that mic. And and then it's like, and it changes, like, you, get, you kind of get into the recording engineering aspect of it. Based on the kind of mic you're using, it can totally change the mood of the song. And then it's like, and then if I suddenly I hear the vocal being processed through a different microphone capability, I'm like, oh. Now I yeah. might go back and change the whole thing because then I was like, now I heard what I oh really gosh, I wanted, love it. and I, yeah. and suddenly like I heard, yeah, and then like, oh, now I heard what I wanted. Now I'm gonna redo everything because I just heard yeah. what I was trying to do, and now I. I mean, I, a lot of stuff happens know. by accident. It's like, I don't know, especially for me. Once I started looking into like loops and producing and just because I was very much fixed on I want everything to be live instruments for years like whatever I was going to do is my kind of main project and playing guitar and playing keyboards and wanting to get other musicians involved and then obviously coronavirus happened and we're all at home and I was like okay I need to like venture out of that idea a bit and like explore other options but um but you know when you're looking through samples and you're looking through loops you might have an an idea of what you want but ultimately you're going to find something random <laughs> that you don't really necessarily know you're looking for um and similarly with what you're saying about mics like I've got I think there's two tracks of the album which are were recorded just with like a um a really old pair of iPhone headphones um that I was basically just trying to get the demo down of the vocal but afterwards, it's like we tried re-recording, re-recording, and it just lost like the actual kind of vibe and the feel and that feel. gritty, yeah. slightly radio sound that was just like, why am I trying to recreate something that's already banging? So we're, we're using the original vocals, you know, in the end. That's funny. Can I, I was talking to some artists, and um, artists tend to you know, do this thing where you'll, you'll do all these yeah. like, takes of your song, right? And th th what I found when I was talking to some producers, like the further you get away yeah. from the original demo, the less honest, the 100%. less honest it becomes, because the honesty is actually in the first couple versions, and then you start maybe yeah. getting scared of what you said, or changing what you said, and then it doesn't have the original intention, 
And sometimes even if the quality or if there's a glitch in that first couple of tracks, it might be worth using it it's, yeah, and just live totally. with it. Um, you know, I th- yeah, I found a lot of people will say that, you know, like, you know, it's actually something better to use I've definitely learned that. I mean, we've got tracks <laughs> that we were, we were kind of like, okay, well, let's just get that vocal down and then build the track around it. And then it's like, now listening to stuff is a more kind of like, as it's developing and becoming more and more finished, it's like, I'm like, I don't want to change that vocal <laughs> because even though there's that little clip or there's that little bit that's a bit, I feel like I could do it better. Like when I listen to music, I love hearing that raw vibe, you know, like sometimes it's your favorite bit of the song that was possibly a mistake or that something goes a bit weird or whatever, yeah. you know, the voice breaks or whatever happens. It's like, actually that's the magic and that's the moment and that's the feeling. So yeah, I'm definitely keeping keeping that in. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to if you listen like Keith, yeah. yeah, if you listen to a guy like Keith Richards, right, and, and his kind of imprecise, kind of sloppy, yeah. off the beat. Yeah, that's what the stones are, right? If you if you try to pay, play that yeah. perfect, you'll wreck it. I mean, it's kind of like Keith Richards is like the epitome of this kind of yeah. ramshackle kind of style, but it is the style. And if you try to play like a modern perfection style, it just wouldn't work. It doesn't mm. work. You know, it's kind of like Neil, yeah, Neil Young's voice, like on Tonight's Tonight, is is glitchy. It's it hits yeah. notes he probably didn't want to hit. He, he kind of, and you could say, well, you could try to clean that up, but that destroys the honesty mm-hmm. of the recording. It's kind of like what happened with Kurt Cobain when Kurt Cobain came on the scene. It's only like yeah. honesty came back into music. Because he was very honest in yeah. his approach and his delivery, and then everybody else was like, "Oh, how how can I get that?" It was grunge, you know, because it's kind of imprecise. It's punk. It's kind of like not not perfection, not hair band. It's not Molly Crew. It's not Poison. It's it's something that's more yeah, yeah. goes back to the Clash or the Sex Pistols, um, and that's why I always find it's like this punk aesthetic, whether you're electronic or EDM. Or this kind of honesty in music that a folk singer like a Neil Young or a Dylan kind of brings to something. It's always good to kind of take some of those things. Definitely. Well, I definitely. (laughs) An ex-manager of mine said that you definitely got a a punk heart. That's what he said. And it was interesting. It was like the first time I met him and he didn't really know anything about my kind of like my dad being into punk work and whatever, whatever. But it's just so true. I think there's definitely an element of like rebellion and that kind of punk vibe and that kind of like, yeah, it's a bit of a mess, but it's, it's how it's supposed to be kind of vibe about, about all my stuff actually up and coming. Um, But I love that. I think it's just raw. It's more raw. It's more real. It's more honest, you know? Yeah, I mean, cause I, a lot of the reason I don't, I don't tend to use a dog when I do electronic music. I use a mm. lot of kind of glitchy, analog, kind of pointing stuff. A lot of my synths cannot replicate on purpose the sound they do from yesterday to today. They, like every time I oh turn my them God, on, your studio do sounds a fun. Different. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like what I like to do, and it's like I, I purposely go get devices that actually create kind of glitched, out-of-tune, distorted it. weirdness. And, and and that, to me, it's like you think about, like, Trent Reznor. 
and Alexander Cortini, he's one of the guys in Nine Inch Nails. They use a lot of, a lot of like sound devices that create yeah. dissonance, which is like kind of off key stuff. And that's the kind of core of having that kind of realism. And, and it can be very expansive. It uses noise in ways that people would say, yeah. well, you should EQ that noise out. But it's the noise is actually part yeah, no, of what we're trying to do. I just, I, when people <laughs> do that, that's normally my trigger for like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm definitely going to do it. I'm going to break all the rules. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's that punk aesthetic, which I think is very good for music. I think, you know, when the Sex Pistols yeah. and the Clash showed up on the scene, it kind of gave rock a kick in the pants, you know? You know, Pete Townsend said that when the class came about, he was like, he didn't know what to do. He suddenly felt yeah. like he had to change everything he was doing. And it gave him the kind of kick in the rear that he needed um, to kind of go where he needed to go. And, and I think yeah. you, you're always looking for that next thing, you know. And and punk was that thing that in every age we get, we get, a, you get a, like a, you know, you get banned like, like Nirvana, or, you know, that comes along and, and kind of changes the rules and gets everybody like, yeah. oh, wow, we should maybe go back to basics. And I, you know, and it, I'm <laughs> always looking for that next <laughs> like band to do that. Um, and I talk to bands all the time. <laughs> bands like that, but, uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but it's interesting. Yeah. So, so what are your um, plans for like in Corona? Is everything just going to be online? Or are you guys able to do shows? um virtually or physical so like what's the plan the 2021 plan is um i want to get some videos done for me it's very much i mean before i did music i did film um and theater a lot of that kind of art stuff um so i'm very much wanting to create something that has a kind of strong visual also as well as the music side obviously right now we're restricted by we can't really do shows um so i'm kind of just leaving that for now but starting to rehearse with some different musicians as things ease up over here anyway that's the plan um to do some kind of cool live streams in some various venues um but mainly I just want to focus on getting a few banging videos that get my message across and releasing a few tracks independently and kind of just see where that takes me. I've got quite a few different kind of um, various platforms that showcase like rappers or up and coming singers that I'm going to be working with and doing some stuff with them um, as I start to release. And, yeah, I mean, it's just such a weird time, isn't it? It's hard to make any plans. But I think ultimately for me this year, it's just start to release this stuff. You know, it's been about five years in the making. So start releasing things and get some good visuals together. That's my plan. And kind of see how how people receive it, you know? How How is vinyl looked at where you guys are? Like in the U.S., there's like this big vinyl revolution, like where a lot of bands, like you put everything out on a streaming service 
but your hardcore fans are actually will are willing to buy yes. like thirty dollars fifty dollars have vinyls. And if you can if you can put out stuff like yeah. that, are you thinking that you would be able to yeah, do yeah, that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like I mean yeah, I mean just because I think it's a lovely it's a lovely thing to have <laughs> to have and to do. And it's like a physical thing, isn't it? I think it's like you say, like the kind of hardcore fans wanna have something. Like as much as these streaming services are all pretty, you know, it's amazing. They're very accessible. You've got everything in one place now. I think nothing quite beats a physical thing. But I think people do like that. Ex- yeah. yeah. The experience of vinyl, like I actually like started getting into vinyl again and found this whole world yeah. of all this vinyl equipment that's just as crazy as some of my synth equipment. I mean, like tube tube amplifiers for your vinyl crazy magnet like cartridges oh that are like crazy insane and then just but but yeah. just the level of uh, detail and and what you can actually hear in the sound and so there's a lot of audiophiles that are like they want like yeah that your, your music in that way uh and then also when you're an artist when you have a project Vinyl lets you do like the liner notes, mm. the, the photography, the art. So when you have your project and you put out a record, you actually can put yeah. a lot, it becomes like a full art project. You know, it's not just the record, it's actually yeah. all the art and stuff that goes yeah, with Yeah, I think that's definitely kind of what I'm what I'm aiming to create. Um, and I mean, the same here, we've had like a bit of a vinyl revolution and a lot of people getting back into vinyl whether it's DJs or just to play in your home, you know. Um, and, yeah, go on, sorry. But th- yeah. But I think what's good about vinyl also is it gets the, the fan to focus yeah. on your full project compared to, like, Spotify playlist. You're yeah. one out of 20 yeah, artists of on that playlist. And then maybe they forget about you. But if you if the fan buys a vinyl, they're actually listening yeah. to your full, complete concept, and then are more likely to like stick with you with other things you're gonna do because you're not just one to twenty on the next playlist. That that they, they become yeah. a, a higher chance they're gonna become a fan yeah. and stay with you. <laughs> come, come to our show, show in 2025 let's pray not <laughs> buy your buy your merch buy your t-shirt buy your, your your buttons buy your posters you know and and just become like a total like into the to me because i grew up with you know if i got into a band i went and got i went and yeah. got the t-shirt i got the poster i got this and i like that i kind of like that you know and, and and it seems like that's gone gone away for some fans but then there are other fans that, and it seems like it's weird that the vinyl revolution also allows yeah. you to have a smaller batch. I mean, yeah, you could yeah. have a batch of like a thousand vinyls and make well, more money than thing. you make on it's your like Spotify. It's like, you know, <laughs> unless you're getting millions and millions of streams, you're not really making any money on Spotify. So, literally. Yeah, you can make more money on a thousand vinyls. But the spot, but the Spotify is kind of like the radio. It gets it. It's your promotion exactly. to get people to know who you are, and then that you convert them to buy your vinyl. You know, exactly. and you convert them to buy your T-shirt. Exactly, and that's where you actually make the money. 
you know, and that's kind of weird that in the industry now, like the primary way people hear music is not the way you make your money. You make, you make your money yeah. off the ticket sales, the merch, the merchandising, working with other people, producing other people. Uh, it just, you have to kind of be a full, like uh, your, your full vision of an artist. You, you have to be like yeah. this part of it streaming know, and then the rest crazy. of it there's something else. It's crazy, crazy <laughs> things to navigate, especially now with everything going on, but I'm just kind of just trying to focus on the art ultimately. Yeah. So um, are you feeling um, really positive about 2021 compared hmm. to 2020? I know 2020 kind of hit all the artists like a sledgehammer and like dead stop. Like, like you know, a lot of artists, like I, I finally oh got God, a I, I was supposed to come to Europe and then that boom, that was boom. And so it's like, right. oh, <laughs> that got stopped. <laughs> so, you know, so we were like, like everything, you know, that was, I'm kind of saying good in the mirror, that 2020 is in the mirror, and like 2021, everybody's trying to figure something else out. But are you feeling uh, in a better place yeah, than, 2020 you know, maybe me, 2020? I had a bit of a ether when it started about to shoot a video um, and release some of these dance tracks that I'd done with J. Colo. Um, and we had so many things lined up. We literally had gigs all that week. We had this music video production team. We put loads of money into it. Anyway, three days into the, the what was supposed to be like six or seven months being over there, um, we found out that we had to leave. And obviously Spain was closing the borders and et cetera, et cetera, um, which was obviously crazy at the time to try and comprehend and understand. Um, but for me, 2020... After that kind of initial shock, and obviously I'm aware of everything going on in the world and it's been a heavy year, but for me it was actually a really good year just because I think I'm such a like, I'm such an active person. I'm always on the move. Um, and obviously I do music, but to make money over the years I've been doing VIP hospi hospitality um, stuff. So I'd always be working and doing like late nights and then trying to fit in my studio time and all this kind of stuff. So for me, just to be able to like actually rest and actually think about what I was doing musically and ultimately come create this album that's coming out has been, it's, 2020 was a great year for me in, in those aspects. Um, 2021, however, yeah, I, I mean, I am definitely more optimistic about this year in terms of, I think, you know, we made it through the kind of initial shock of last year. We all kind of know know the situation now to a degree. And I think we've just got to kind of make the most of it and find new ways of doing things. And, yeah, I'm just trying to stay positive and keep busy, really, and keep working. And now I've got a project to put out. So it's hopefully going to be a good year for me. Well, I, I think that's like that. That's very interesting because a lot of the artists I talked to, they did try to you know pull yeah. uh, what they could out of last year, and most of them did did have their opinion where they were yeah. able to have the space to work on their art in a way that the business usually doesn't allow us to do that, and we kind of sneak little you yeah. know two weeks here, one week here to actually work on something where we actually had like a clear space to really think about our art 
And I think I'm that so excited to hear what everyone's been creating. In, in, I, I genuinely think I, the next few years are going to be pretty epic for music and art. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten previews from some bands I've been talking to about stuff that's coming out in 2021 from the artists I talked to last yeah. year that were doing the same thing as you. They were they were working on it, and uh, a lot of the stuff is like deeper. Um, I, in terms of the content and just the, the reach. And I think Always, people take yeah. what's going on and they put it into their art. And artists, you know, from movie directors to actors to, you know, all types of artists, I think took took all that input. And I, I think yeah. we're in for a really good time, a good era and, and great music. I think that's what we all have to look, looking for is like a great music experience. And it's got to get to a place where all of us can actually you know, <laughs> earn what we deserve. Yeah, for it. no, I mean, I, I think so. But and um, I agree with you. So um, I'm happy that you came on the show. Like I said, um, I don't know if, if you heard, you know, we, yeah. we are on 11 platforms, including Spotify and Apple and Google. And what happens is after this podcast is over, I, I, I edit it. And then within an hour, it's going to start appearing on awesome. all these podcast platforms. I will send you the link to Apple, Spotify, and mm. Anchor. It will be on like the other ones, as I said, uh, over the next big day. And mm-hmm. so like, we will push it on our Instagram channel. And one thing with Instagram, it has an integration with the Spotify version of the podcast. Yeah. So once I create a story or an outline highlight, it will go to the Spotify version. So if people click on that, they can get it right from your Instagram. And Very pick, cool. Create a story that this is that the up. good things of technology uh, and, and then you can use all it. this stuff. <laughs> yeah, the one cool, cool use of this stuff. <laughs> Thanks so, so much. So uh, great to have you on the on, on line, Jazzy Series. We're, we're gonna have everyone check out your link tree. Though your new album will be coming will. out as soon as your new material comes out. Give us a ring. And uh, we could definitely do Amazing. like an album release show. We've done that for a lot of artists. If you want to coordinate it, so like it right sure. around the time it comes out, we talk it. about it. Kind of uh, we could do that. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you for being on the show. It's okay, it's seven you. o'clock. Have a great yeah, I'm gonna have some dinner <laughs> and get on some music. Lovely okay. talking to you. Have a lovely evening. Yeah, I'll speak soon. We'll talk to you again.